TFA fam, happy holidays. It is week 16. It is championship week. It's time to go and, uh, you know, as they say, secure the bag. I think is something that the uh, the kid the, the the cool kids still say. I I, th I think is a thing. Uh, we're, so we're just going to jump into it. You have lineups to set. We have sweats starting on Friday to last the entire weekend. So it's going to be it's going to be a really fun week. Before we jump into it, please hit that subscribe button over on our YouTube channel. If you're listening on podcast form, a rate and review would be very swell as well. But listen, if you want that Allen Robinson signed jersey, you have to go over to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. We will be giving that away December 27th. That is this Sunday, whenever we go live for our fantasy game day show, 11 a.m. Eastern. So make sure you're watching. Tune in. E even if you're not in the championship, you have to hit us up within 48 hours of announcing the winner or else we're just, we're going to have to give that away to somebody else. We uh can't hold on to that sweet, sweet piece of uh, autograph memorabilia for too long. So, Kev, we're going to talk about the running back rankings for Week 16. So let's go ahead and just dive right into it. If you are new to the to the TFA ranking shows, uh, Kevin's rankings are up on the screen. I'm going to rattle them off if you're listening on podcast. And then whenever I talk about these running backs, I'm looking at the Fantasy Pros consensus rankings just to give a little bit of a balance. But for Week 16, Kev's RB1s are as follows. Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, David Montgomery, Nick Chubb, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, James Robinson, and then the waiver wire savior himself, Tony Pollard coming in at RB12. Kev, go ahead and talk about some of these RB1s that uh, you feel that you're either higher on or some of the guys that you think are interesting going into Week 16. Well, I mean, there's there's quite a few running backs that are in really good spots this week. You know, you start with Derrick Henry, who gets Green Bay, who's been really bad against the run. Alvin Kamara against Minnesota. Aaron Jones against the Titans, who the Titans have been uh, – another team that's been terrible against the run. I do have Chris McCaffrey on here. I feel much stronger this week than I have in a while that he's going to play. Matt Rule came out and said that uh, the plan is for him to start practicing on Wednesday, and hopefully he can play uh, this weekend. So uh, I do think that things are looking up for him and his his availability to play this week, which depends on what sides are on. If, you, if you're a Chris McCaffrey owner, you're probably, hell yeah, you know, and then in the championship week getting Chris McCaffrey back. But if you're on the other side of it, you're probably like, really? This is the week he has to come back as championship week. So I will say it's not the best matchup going against Washington. Washington football team has been pretty good against the run. They've been a pretty solid defense overall this year. But regardless of that, it's still Christian McCaffrey. And then you have Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler. Dalvin Cook worries me a little bit this week because they are playing the Saints. Saints' run defense has still been really good this year. They continue to be a really solid uh, run defense. So, you know, we'll see with Dalvin Cook. But Dalvin Cook is good enough that he can break off a long run. And I think that he's still somebody you should feel at least relatively confident. I would just lower your expectations a little bit. Nick Chubb, Miles Sanders, both in great spots as well. But I, the guy I really want to talk about is Tony Pollard. Now, this is going to have to be something that we're going to have to monitor this week to see if uh, Ezekiel Elliott plays. I they're out. I mean, I guess technically they're not out of it. I guess I shouldn't say that because actually they, they, they still have a shot uh, of winning the division, which is crazy enough to say because this is how bad this all this is. So they're technically not out of it, but there's no way that they can look at themselves and tell them tell tell anybody with uh, with any relatively confidence that they think that as of right now in the season, Ezekiel Elliott is a better option than what Tony Pollard is. Tony Pollard looked markably better than than what Ezekiel Elliott has. Um, yeah, really for most of the season. 
Um, or at least in, in a while, I should say. So, you know, we saw him last week. He rushed 12 times for 69 yards. Nice. Uh, and two scores and also added the six for 63. So, I mean, if you look at Philly's run defense, you know, they have taken a little bit step back in the past four weeks as they are more uh, middle of the road against the run. However, Pollard's role as a pass catcher makes him you know, kind of a lock for 15 to 20 touches in this game. And, you know, he played 92% of the snaps last week. So there's a lot to like here. Uh, he's also, I think, tenth or top ten in yards created on the season. Like Tony Pollard is is, is a beast, and I think that you know it's going to be interesting to see what happens after this year because you know we kind of were talking about it in our our, our chat that we have that um, you know I think it's a possibility that the Cowboys could actually release uh, Ezekiel Elliott after this year because they they can actually save money against the cap by by doing so. And I know Ze- I'm not saying that I think Ezekiel is done because I don't. But I do think that he's getting closer to that age curve where he's starting to uh, go trend downward. And if they cut him before the fifth uh, the fifth day of the new league year, then they can save uh, the the his twelve. He has twelve million dollars that's guaranteed for the following season if he's on the roster by the fifth uh, the fifth day of the league year of twenty twenty one. So they could save that money by getting out from under this. And I think they have to feel at least a little bit of what Tony Pollard is. Now it's short sample size, but all year Tony Pollard has looked really good. I think they could add somebody else to the draft as well to kind of you know, as a compliment here, because that is an atrocious contract for a team that still needs to sign their quarterback because Dak Prescott certainly is that guy. And so I just think overall, I think, you know, we'll see what happens with that. I know that we're not really worried about that for this week, but as long as Zeke is out, Tony Pollard is a locked in RB1. And mainly because of his pass catching role in this offense. It, you know, we saw it last week. I think he had almost 30% of the team's targets in this backfield, uh, coming out of the backfield as well. So he had nine targets on the week. So I like Tony Pollard a lot. Yeah, and you'd mentioned on the Sunday waiver show, whenever we took the, the first quick glance at waivers, you rattled off, uh, you know, some guys who were interesting stashes if you're in a keeper league. And Tony Pollard would definitely uh, fall under that category. The uh, the guy that I want to talk about as far as the RB1s go is one Miles Sanders. Now, on the year, he was someone that both of us were really high on. And uh, to say that he has disappointed so far this year would be an understatement. He's been an RB2 or better just six times this year. But now he gets the Dallas defense, who's giving up the seventh most fantasy points per game to running backs on the year and the seventh most fantasy points per game over the last three weeks. The uh, the Dallas defense has given up 70 or more rushing yards to nine different running backs this season. Antonio Gibson hit them for over 100 yards in both of their matchups. Kenyon Drake teed off against them. If you remember the, the craziness against the Browns earlier in the year, Dearness Johnson had like 95 yards against them. And it, this is this is such a low bar. This is so sad to say for somebody like Miles Sanders. It may not seem like much, but he has had 20 receiving yards in both of Jalen Hurts' full starts. But whenever you think about it like this, he has actually only done that twice all year before these past two games. And the last time he did it was all the way back in week four. So again, it's not a great total. This is something we should be talking about if this were like Derrick Henry or something. But at least that does give you a little bit of a boost. And in the uh, in, in your playoff matchups, you will take two points because you know uh, the the trend on Twitter this week was for everybody to post how they lost by 0. 0.4, 1.2. So when it comes down to it, we'll take the two points. This, this offense is definitely opening up with Jalen Hurts. Kev, you're really high on him. You mentioned him. 
in the top four of your quarterback rankings, which you guys can check out on our YouTube channel and on the podcast as well. So Miles Sanders is someone I think is going to have a bounce back game after he kind of disappointed last week. You can definitely feel comfortable plugging him into your lineup, and I would expect an RB1 return from him this week. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Moving on to the RB2s, kicking things off at RB13 is Le'Veon Bell, followed by J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, you know, the, the, the rookie running back tier right there, Ronald Jones, Antonio Gibson, David Johnson, Melvin Gordon, Daryl Henderson, Jeff Wilson, Chris Carson, and Kareem Hunt round out the RB2s. Kev, talk about a couple of these guys who you're interested in and you think make for good plays in Week 16. Yeah, first I want to talk about Le'Veon Bell, who's going to be somebody that people are going to be either picking up because guys have dropped him because he just wasn't all that heavily utilized, and or you know people that have stashed him and maybe possibly have him and would be wondering if they should be playing him this week. And you know, I think this week, you know, when you look at now with with Clyde Edwards-Helaire, he's done at least for the regular season. He basically has a high ankle sprain and basically a hip injury. So I would assume the Chiefs who have two more games, and they pretty much have the first round by locked up, but they do have to play this week, so there's really no concern about them sitting anybody. So basically for them, they need to win against Atlanta, and they have the, the number one uh, seed locked up. They pretty much have like a 99% chance even without the win because basically Buffalo needs some crazy stuff to happen for them to be able to take it from Kansas City if Kansas City even moves out. But regardless of that, they control their own destiny by beating Atlanta this weekend at home. If you look at Le'Veon Bell, you know, even pre-Clyde edwards Lair, so basically since arriving in Kansas City, Bell has only received 35% of the snaps uh, on, on basically uh, once. And he essentially was splitting carries with Clyde edwards Lair. However, now with Clyde edwards Lair out of the way, the door, the door is basically pretty much firmly open, and Bell will basically assume the lead back role here. Um, if you look, Clyde Edwards-Solaire basically averaged almost 16 touches per game over the last four weeks. And I think Bell pretty much figures pretty much soak up that entire role there. Um, you know, it isn't a great matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. They're fourth in rush DVOA, but 12, 20th in pass DVOA. But in an offense like this with the Chiefs, it, it kind of loosens things up a little bit. They're not going to be able to key on Le'Veon Bell. And I think you will see some Daryl Williams work in here, probably even a little bit of um, – Darwin Thompson here in this backfield, but I do think you can pretty much expect that Le'Veon Bell is going to handle probably 60% of the snaps here and 60% of the, at least 60% of the opportunities here in this backfield. So Le'Veon Bell, I think, while I do think there's a scenario where maybe he only sees 10 to 15 touches um, because Kansas City is a team that will go after your weaknesses and they are much worse against the pass. And I can see the Chiefs really opening up the passing offense again this week and maybe limiting Le'Veon Bell a little bit. But I think his pass catching upside still brings him to a pretty strong high-end RB2, possibly low-end RB1. So I do like Le'Veon Bell quite a bit without Clyde Edwards-Solaire there. I think it kind of opens some things up a little bit. I will say I wouldn't be surprised if you get a little tilted to see Daryl Williams on uh, getting more third-down work than what Le'Veon Bell does. It's something we've been seeing the last couple of weeks, and Andy Reid actually talked about it post-game 
that kind of hinted a little bit that Le'Veon Bell necessarily doesn't know the playbook all the way and all the all the protections and everything else. And so that's why Le'Veon Bell hasn't been seeing as much third down work. We've actually been seeing Daryl Williams. So that is something to monitor, but I don't think it's a big enough issue to really worry about with Le'Veon Bell. And I think, uh, you know, I think even looking at him, like I said, uh, where he's at, I think it's fine. Uh, Ronald Jones, we'll have to see if he gets cleared from COVID because he is on the COVID list. Uh, he was put on there last Wednesday. He should have enough time to be able to clear that. He also had a pinky where they did surgery on. It was the same exact thing that happened to Chris Godwin. He was rolled out basically not because of the pinky, but mainly because of the COVID. But if, if he can surpass that this week, he gets an excellent matchup against Detroit. The Lions have been horrible against the run all season, and this really shouldn't be much of a threat to Ronald Jones. Um, the Lions have allowed the fourth most rushing yards, and they've tied with the most rushing touchdowns allowed and their most receiving touchdowns allowed as well. I uh, haven't fared much better stopping pass catching running backs. They've allowed the fourth most re- uh, receiving yards to the position as well. So uh, while the problem is with Rojo, it's it's not necessarily been him this year. It's been Bruce Arians, and you just don't fucking know what Bruce Arians is going to do with them. Uh, so far this year, Rojo hasn't been as efficient as a runner as he, as he kind of was last year, but he's still been pretty solid. He's still eighth in yards created and tenth in yards created per touch. Um, the only concern, like I said, is really Bruce Arians. It really worries me with him. And so – if they were to fall behind, it sounds like Matt Stafford's going to play. He actually practiced limited today, which is better than what he was doing last week. So if Stafford's able to play this week, that is an offense that could push this Detroit or push this Tampa Bay defense, who Tampa Bay's defense has not been very good, especially their past defense. We just saw them get roasted by Matt Ryan, and Matt Stafford could certainly do that against this team, and they have their weapons to do so. So uh, I think this game really boils down to kind of uh, game script. If Tampa Bay's able to get up early, I think Ronald Jones makes for at least a, a solid RB2. Antonio Gibson, I want to just touch on him really quickly. It sounds like he could return. I know he kind of returned to practice a little bit last week, and so hopefully he is able to return this week because they are playing Carolina, who allow the sixth mo- or the eighth most fantasy points position. The real question I would have with Antonio Gibson, if he is, does play, is going to be usage. He's coming off a turf toe injury, which is uh, obviously troublesome for running backs because it kind of limits your ability to cut. I'm not a doctor. But what the doctors have said that I've read is, is kind of that that's kind of the concern with Antonio Gibson uh, would be something like that. So I do think it's something you should keep in the back of your mind that, you know, if he comes back, you know, we should probably try to get as much information we can of what they're saying about him. But if he's able to return, because this is a game they absolutely need for the Washington football team to be able to make the playoffs, they still control their own destiny here. If, the, if Washington loses this game, which they very well could against Carolina, the Jets end, or the Giants lose to Baltimore. The Eagles beat Dallas. Then basically next week, week seventeen, you could almost probably put it in lock. Is that 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 Sunday night football game could be Washington against Philly for the division? Because basically that's how close this this could come down to. So with Antonio Gibson, I do think that he, he has a good shot of returning this week. It's a really good matchup against Carolina, and I think even in a reduced role a little bit, I still think that he makes for a solid RB two. Well, speaking of the Washington football team. I like his backfield mate, uh, J.D. McKissick, as a, as a back-end RB2. Pretty crazy what McKissick has done. He's not really getting too much you know, too much talk or too much hype. And full PPR leagues, you know, granted RB3 isn't the, isn't the highest bar, but he's finished as an RB3 or better in 10 of his uh, 15 games or 14 games this season, which – I mean, if, if you'd have told me that about J.D. McKissick at the beginning of the year, there's zero chance that, that I would have uh, believed you. You were already talking about the Panthers and, you know, how they can be had on the ground. 
McKissick is also second amongst running backs in receptions, targets, and yards on the season. So you already mentioned some of the stuff with Gibson and the the concern, the potential concerns with coming off of that toe injury. So I think even if Gibson plays, I would expect his workload to be throttled back a little bit. But even if he does play, I still think McKissick could return, you know, like I said, back end RB2 value. So he's somebody who who I like this week. And we even saw with Haskins, and who knows what's going to happen with him now after he was uh, he was spotted out, we'll say, uh, you know, without a mask. Uh, even with Haskins, he got uh, he got targeted a bunch, which definitely surprised me. Uh, I, I I did not see that coming because, frankly, Haskins did not do that earlier in the year. So no matter who ends up under center, I think McKissick is is a is a fine play as an RB2, you know, kind of flex if you have to go that route, in particular in, in deeper leagues. So we're going to go ahead and move moving on to the RB3s. We'll start to wrap this up. Just kicking things off at RB25 for you is James Conner, followed by Miles Gaskin, Kenyon Drake, J.D. McKissick, who I just talked about, Ito Smith, Chase Edmonds, Devin Singletary, Sony Michelle, Wayne Gallman, Naheem Hines, Gus Edwards, and then the wide receiver slash running back himself, Lynn Bowden, coming in at running back 36 for you. Who are some of these guys that you want to touch on for the uh, for the RB3s? Yeah, uh, there's a couple of guys I really would like to talk about. You know, Miles Gaskin I have on here. One, we'll have to wait and see what happens with him in terms of uh, is he able to also get back from COVID because they actually have a pretty solid matchup this week themselves going against the Raiders. So I, I do think that he's somebody that you could really look at as a pretty solid play. If then we find out that he's able to return, really, I want to talk about Ido Smith, who is somebody who the the Falcons after the um, their loss to the Buccaneers, Raheem Morris came out and said that he is actually going to be their lead back moving forward. They just said that he's earned it. Todd Gurley looks like he is absolutely cooked, and he continues to look like he's cooked. So they're going to give Ido Smith a shot, which I think is a really smart move. So. He's somebody that is widely available in fantasy leagues. You know, it's thank God they're not going to Brian Hill because we've seen the Brian Hill experiment one too many times. I do think Todd Gurley could still be involved in this offense, but I don't think it's going to be as, as at a huge level. So we'll, I think Edo Smith, as, as at least a flex option this week, does make some sense. Kansas City's rush defense has been atrocious all year, continues to be terrible. I do like Edo Smith a little bit as a flex option. I think he's somebody that you could probably pick up this week and maybe depending on what you're looking at, you know, running back-wise, that you could look to, to roster because – we already lost Raheem Mostert. He has been ruled out. And we're going to have to watch Jeff Wilson as well, who I had at RB2 range, because the that he's also questionable this week. So we really, we actually could be looking at Tevin Coleman or, J- or Jarek McKinnon as running as the running backs this week. So we're going to really have to monitor the situation to see what's going on in San Francisco because also it sounds like there's a decent shot that George Kittle could return this week as well. So I think that's something that, that should be mentioned. However, so the, I do like Ido Smith uh, a lot as somebody that either A, you pick, you pick him up, and I think you could at least – he's a usable – RB3. And then the other guy, like I said, I already talked about was Miles Gaskin. I do want to mention really quickly, Sony Michelle. He actually looked really good last week in what opportunities that he was given last week. And then this week, you know, the, the matchup's not terrible against Buffalo. Buffalo's not great against the run. So I don't mind Sony Michelle either as an option. You know, if he's out there, we'll have to, again, let's we'll see what happens with Damian Harris. If Damian Harris is not able to return, I do think Sony Michelle, this is a game that they're going to want to pound the football, but the other go, they are going against Buffalo. So you know, I, I, you just can't put him any higher than that, mainly because this offense is so bad. 
and he doesn't really have much of a role in the passing passing game. But they did utilize him a little bit in the past in terms of pass catching work last week. But I do think Sony Michelle is an interesting also flex option for this week. And if you need to go the Edo Smith route, he is only rostered in three percent of ESPN league. So if you're hurting at the position, you can absolutely go and get him off of waivers. Uh, the last guy I want to talk about, and then we will wrap things up. You actually had him ranked as an RB2 on Fantasy Pro's consensus rankings. As of this recording, anyway, he is currently an RB3. I mean, hopefully this changes with uh, with the news of Cam Akers being out. But that is Daryl Henderson. Just really quickly on him, I think Henderson makes for a fine you know, RB3 flex kind of play. Going up against Seattle, we've seen him at, at times be able to be efficient but we definitely know that he's explosive if he can get into space. Seattle's giving up the 10th most fantasy points per game to running backs on the season. Same over the last three weeks. And Malcolm Brown has seen a total of 11 touches, so both carries and receptions over the last four weeks. So even if he is more involved this week, I'd still expect Henderson to have no problem seeing 65% or more of the running back opportunity for the Rams in week 16. So that is going to do it. We appreciate you guys joining us. Again, hit that subscribe button if you want your chance to win that signed Allen Robinson jersey, giving it away Sunday, December 27th, 11 a.m., whenever we go live for the Fantasy Game Day show. Hope you guys have a great week. Good luck in all your matchups, and happy holidays to all you. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.